Uh, hello, um, welcome to our webinar um, between the Middle East Forum and Congressman Doug Lamborn. We are very pleased to have Congressman Lamborn um, with us today. He has been um, an ally on many fights um, concerning Israel, concerning radical Islam, and other threats to America and our allies in the region. Uh, Congressman Lamborn has represented Colorado's 5th District since 2007. He sits on both the Armed Services and Natural Resources Committee, and he's always been a fierce defender of Israel during his time in Congress. He's a member of the Israel Allies Caucus, the Republican Al Israel Allies Caucus, and the Israel Victory Caucus, which is advised by the Middle East Forum and is based on Dr. Daniel Pipes' concept of achieving victory over those who um, seek um, Israel's non-existence. Um, among other related accomplishments, Congressman Lamborn is the chief sponsor in the House of the Taylor Force Act, the law signed by President Trump in 2018 that ended support for the Palestinian Authority so long as it continues to make the infamous pay to slay payments to terrorists and their families. Um, also during the past year, the Middle East Forum has worked closely with Congressman Lamborn on issues related directly and indirectly to Israel. Those include efforts to stop the demonization of Israel and lionization of terrorism used against it at US universities that receive federal funding and a fight against the pay to slay program that encourages terrorism. Today, I am planning on talking to Congressman Lamborn about the work he's done with the Middle East Forum as well as some bigger issues concerning the wider region um, and threats to Israel. Um, but to start out, um, I'll discuss some of the things um, he has done um, in part on the, based on the Middle East Forum's research. Um, afterwards, um, we should hopefully have some time for some questions, but we'll start out this way. Um, related to the pay to slay issue that led the Taylor Force Act, um, Congressman Lamborn recently sent a letter to the Secretary of Treasury calling on the official designating the PLO's pr um, Commissioner of Prisoner Affairs and its director, um, Quadri Abu Bakr, as sponsors of terror for the continuing payments um, to those who are facilitating these pay to slay payments. Um, this got quite a pushback from the PLO, which without a hint of irony, took to the press to the accuse that Congressman Lamborn was guilty of incitement against the Palestinians. Um, in response, um, Lamborn said that the administration should cut all diplomatic ties with the PA until it gives up terrorism. So on this, I have three related questions. The first would be, what more do you think needs to be done to force the PA to stop the odious pay to slay payments that have caused this controversy for so many years? That's a great question, Cliff. And by the way, thanks for inviting me to be on your meeting. It's great to talk with you and all of your listeners here today. So I look forward to this uh, conversation. Yeah, the PA, uh, I don't see how they can pose as a uh, legitimate partner in a potential peace in the Middle East when they have this like you said, odious policy of paying terrorists uh, stipends for life or their families if this terrorist is killed uh, for killing Jews and, uh, kill, and Israelis. And the, the more they kill, the higher the payment. That's just totally wrong. And we've taken steps. You mentioned my Taylor Force Act. The, the administration also under Donald Trump is wanting to uh, stop payments to the PA for this and other reasons. And uh, that is a huge step in the right direction. I think the United States needs to partner with uh, other willing coalition members, you might say on an informal coalition to bring, you know, bring this to bear so that countries don't, whether it's the European Union or places like that, 
uh, Qatar and other countries, Qatar, uh, that give money to the PA and keep them going. And basically, they face very little repercussions for these kinds of horrific policies. So uh, cutting money off at the source, wherever that can be done, I think is a huge policy. I'm concerned though, Cliff, that uh, the incoming Biden administration would be uh, uh, not willing to take this firm stance that the Trump administration did. And uh, they are talking about resuming payments to the Palestinian Authority. That's totally the wrong direction to go. It sends the wrong message and frankly makes peace harder to achieve in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that actually uh, gets into what I was gonna ask next. So I'll just uh, I'll, uh, change it just a little bit. Um, given all these complications and unknowns, um, you know, and you, know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, working with partners to try to get them to cut off payments and stuff that, um, you know, a Biden administration may not do, so on and so forth. Um, is there anything in Congress that you think would be a next step to sort of trying to force that issue the best way that you can? Or is it just sort of a wait and see what happens? Well, we, we should try to force the administration, assuming Biden takes office in, uh, on January 20th, uh, forcing their hand by doing it legislatively in Congress. Yeah, that's a great uh, policy to have. They may act before we are able to actually do that. You know, but that would also force the hand of Nancy Pelosi. You know, she talks about being pro-Israel. Uh, I think Steny Hoyer really is um, yeah. sincere in his uh, position there. But Nancy Pelosi hasn't always taken steps to enforce this kind of approach to Israel with some of the radical members of uh, new, newly radical members that have joined the Democratic Party in Congress in the last term or so. So uh, they, they talk a good game, but they haven't really taken concrete steps. So maybe it would force their hand as well. Yeah. No, I think that's true. Um, uh, on to the next thing. Um, as we mentioned in the introduction, um, you are a member of the Israel Victory Caucus. And the concept behind this caucus was something that was uh, created by Dr. Pipes, the president of the Middle East Forum, that basically says the Palestinians need to accept Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state. In that sense, they need to accept defeat in their quest to destroy Israel. You know, it doesn't mean all out war. It doesn't mean anything other than need to force them to accept this reality as a way to achieve peace in the long run. Um, and that is what the caucus is dedicated to. Um, as, as he's pointed out many times, this is not only good for Israelis, this is also good for Palestinians. They can stop spending all their time and effort trying to destroy their neighbors and build their own polity, their own economy, so on and so forth. Um, this is a concept that I, I believe is getting more and more traction in Israel and has some traction in the US, but what do you see as the future of this concept um, in the US and what might be done to sort of encourage Israel? Well, I think it's a valid position to take. And I, I appreciate Dr. Pipes and the caucus itself for uh, highlighting this, the need of the Palestinians to admit that yes, Israel's gonna be with us. Uh, let's acknowledge their and uh, recognize their existence. Uh, let's work with them for the good of everybody uh, as much as they're able to and, and go forward in a positive way for the, uh, the families and the people of the Middle East who are so sorely oppressed, especially on the Palestinian side because of poor leadership. Uh, 
So I think it does have to be recognized by the Palestinians that Israel has a right to exist. They're not going anywhere. They're not going to be driven into the sea, for instance. And uh, let's, uh, they should work with them for the good of everybody concerned. Yeah, thank you. Um, another thing that we've um, worked on you with that you, you've done based on our research is the issue of Title VI of the Higher Education Act. Um, for anybody not familiar, this program funds various international study centers at universities all over the country. It was created during the Cold War um, to create um, language training and sort of hard fact-based um, learning about the rest of the world, um, basically so we wouldn't fall behind during the Cold War. It, it was very well-intentioned. Uh, however, over the decades, particularly um, the last few, um, it, all too often it funds anti-Semitism, apologetics for terrorism, and demonization of Israel at various Middle East study centers. Um, a, a, um, a report out of the Department of Education actually found essentially this concerning uh, Duke UNC's Middle East Studies Consortium. Um, this wasn't what Congress intended. Um, and there's been efforts to pare it back. Um, you sent a letter to the Department of Education concerning UC Berkeley's Title VI funded Middle East Studies Center. In it, you noted what I mentioned, um, Duke UNC's uh, Middle East Studies Centers that found that had programs that had little or no relevance to Title VI and it lacked balance, which is explicitly required by the legislation that any Title VI funds has um, you know, balance of perspectives. Um, anyhow, you went on to cite a number of problems with Berkeley. Um, what is it you found at Berkeley that made you concerned enough to raise this issue to the department? Uh, Cliff, this is an important issue and I really hope that uh, Betsy DeVos, before she leaves office, um, because I'm sure, uh, assuming Joe Biden comes in, he's not going to reappoint her as Secretary of Education. Um, they need to crack down on these schools. Berkeley's may be the worst offender that show very uh, little balance. In fact, they show a lot of anti-Semitism when it comes to the kinds of programs and speakers that they produce with the money that they're given. Yeah. Uh, in the case of Berkeley, they wanted to bring in uh, if I pronounce her name correctly, uh, Kayla, uh, help, help me here, Cliff Peter. Um, so, Leela Kalin. Yeah, Leela Kalin, uh, a Palestinian terrorist who tried to bring down an airliner a number of years ago, uh, was stopped in the middle of a hijacking and an attempt to kill everyone on board. Uh, she is a hero in Palestine, but is a terrorist in the eyes of the U.S. and the European Union, uh, Leela Kalin. So the uh, uh, university wanted to bring her in under this program and be a speaker, not bring her in in person, but bring her, her in virtually. Mm -hmm. And they uh, basically would be giving a forum, a platform, a podium for a known terrorists who can't come into the country personally and physically to spew her venom, to try to indoctrinate the students of San Francisco State University in a, in a negative way. So uh, with my agitation and other people as well, uh, this was shut down by um, Facebook. YouTube, uh, after a few minutes into the program, they decided, hey, this is wrong and they cut it off. And it was, we successfully shut this down. I don't think the university though got the message. I think they're still trying to do this and other similar kinds of programs. 
Um, and where there are taxpayer dollars involved, this is totally wrong. I mean, it might be wrong even with any dollars because this is giving a platform for terrorists to indoctrinate, to promote terrorism. Uh, this uh, woman, Leela Khaled, has no repentance and we, th we think is a killer that would uh, should not be given a form in the United States, especially through institutions of higher, so-called higher learning. Yeah, I, I, I know that um, based on um, some other of your letters that um, the Department of Education, Justice and Treasury has announced an investigation into um, the event where Leela Khaled was given a virtual platform um, because it butted up against counter-terrorism counter laws. Um, what do you think the eventual outcome of this will be? Um, and I guess, what do you think it should be? What I really hope, like I mentioned earlier, Cliff, is that Betsy DeVos takes a firm position, puts some kind of regulation into place that uh, in the future, whatever administration we have in the future would have to abide by to crack down on this. This is a misuse of Title VI dollars. And I hope that the uh, action that the Treasury Department and the Department of Justice is taking to look into this as well puts a little uh, fire under these people where they think twice about doing this again in the future. Yeah. Uh, moving on to other issues. Um, perhaps the most high profile issue related to Israel right now is um, the peace agreements between the UAE, Bahrain, Sudan, and Israel. Uh, these are, this is a titanic shift uh, among Arab states towards Israel. Um, and um, it is perhaps, I, I would say, the most promising sign of the region in a number of years. Um, what do you think this means for Israel and for U.S. interests in the region, uh, both in the short and long run? Well, it's good for the Israel. It's good for the U.S. It's good for everyone involved. Uh, it's good for the world. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it was so wonderful to be at that signing ceremony at the White House. Um, you know, if, if the press wasn't so against Donald Trump, if it was any other president, they would have been hammering on this, that this is a great thing, night and day, leading up to it and afterwards. But they just ignored it uh, because of the animus toward Donald Trump, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But this is a breakthrough. Uh, it's been a quarter century since Jordan and, and Egypt had peace agreements with Israel. And no one has joined them in the decades since, since that time, a long time ago. But so this is a breakthrough. And we have uh, three countries now. Uh, you mentioned um, Bahrain, United Arab Emirates, and Sudan, that they now have formalized peace agreements going forward with Israel. And there are more waiting in the wings. Uh, I can't predict wh when this will happen or who it will be uh, because it's a fluid situation perhaps. And I think some people are waiting uh, to see what uh, a Biden administration would do in regards to Middle East policy. But I think this is huge. Uh, Cliff, this, you mentioned, you said this is a, a breakthrough. This is a, the first time in decades we've had this kind of breakthrough. It also shows, you know, looking underneath what makes this happen is um, Iran is such a bad influence that countries are coming together, whether they're Muslim and Jewish countries, you know, Israel and these other uh, that are part of this Abraham Accord are now working together because they fear the bad influence of Iran. And 
That highlights another problem that an incoming Biden administration might produce, and that is by not continuing the good policies of Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo cracking down on Iran and enhancing, uh, maximizing the sanctions. If they're not gonna do that, then Iran will just continue on its way of funding terrorism and working for the destruction of Israel. You know, they've come out and said that many times. And um, they have poor relations with the Sunni Muslim countries in the Gulf Coast region. Uh, so in the Gulf region. So it's, it, it's a real breakthrough. Um, we need to really continue to point to Iran as a bad actor and do everything we can to keep their influence minimized. And whatever we do, we can't go back to the horrible Barack Obama policy of JICPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, where which without even a vote of the Senate, where they tried, the president tried to bribe Iran to at least wait a few years before producing its nuclear bombs. And uh, it was a bad, it was misguided from the beginning. And uh, we see Iran now producing enriched uranium, at least enriched beyond what they're supposed to be doing. And so there's really problems here um, that go back to Iran. So the Abraham Accords are a response to that, but are a really good way forward for peace in the Middle East. Uh, on that topic, you think this threat from Iran will cause other countries to follow suit? And you have any guesses of who might be next? Great question, Cliff. Uh, I would hope that, you know, the, the big kahuna here is Saudi Arabia, obviously. And uh, if they would to uh, recognize um, Israel's um, with some kind of formal agreement for cooperation and peace and diplomatic relations and travel and other things like that, overflights and so on, um, I think that that would be a huge step in the Middle East. So I would hope that they would be one that would be on that list uh, very soon. Sure. Um I, uh, moving on to another topic, um, one thing that is a vital concern to Middle East watchers, particularly us here at the Middle East Forum, is Turkey. Um, President Erdogan um, is very close to a number of radical organizations. Um, he's increasingly authoritarian. Um, he criticized the UAE and Bahrain for recognizing Israel, even though Turkey has ha recognized Israel for decades. Um, some view this as a temporary setback. Um, others see this as being a more permanent shift, that this isn't just about Erdogan, but this is about something more fundamental in Turkish governance and Turkish society. Um, what is your view of this, basically? Do you think Turkey, as we knew it for decades, is coming back, or is its bad direction, you know, going to continue for the foreseeable future? Cliff, that's the million-dollar question, and I wish I had the answer to that. I don't know if this is personal for Erdogan, who's kind of grasping at straws. He's, he is the kind of person who will do anything to stay in power. And he's really poked his thumb in the eye of the US, even though he's a NATO member, Turkey's a NATO member in many ways, taking this um, S-400 anti-aircraft system from Russia, which is bad for US um, to be in the vicinity of United States uh, fighters like the F-35. Basically, it's gonna cause us to have to re-examine and, and shut down some of our defense cooperation in the field of aviation uh, with Turkey. Uh, 
So we, we can't basically have our F-35 stationed there anymore if, if they have the S-400 anti-aircraft system. Uh, so, so whether it's personal to him or not, I don't know. I think it was a big mistake when he decided to take the Hagia Sophia, which was a, a museum dedicated to the history of the region and turn it back into a mosque like it used to be years and years ago before uh, Turkey had joined the modern world in the early 20th century. So that was unfortunate to see that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, whether it's personal to him and he's not getting any younger and he, he won't be in power forever and things can go back or whether this is a permanent change, Cliff, that's a great question. I wish I had the answer to that. I'll ask one last question, then we'll get to the audience questions. Um, currently, America still has at least some troops in Syria, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Um, do you believe those troops still serve a useful purpose? Yeah, they do serve a useful purpose. Maybe we have to talk about the exact numbers of troops. Uh, they're doing yeoman's work in trying to get the indigenous police and security forces trained to take over the missions of fighting um, Islamist extremism mm -hmm. and terrorism. Uh, so there is a US role there. I think if we were to withdraw all at once, it would lead to chaos. Um, any kinds of withdrawals I think should be done in a measured and proportional and uh, well thought out way with a lot of input from the people on the ground commanding there. But um, you know, this is one of those big questions. We don't know what Joe Biden's uh, position is on this and so many other uh, issues. We, he doesn't even have his people picked out yet. So uh, we're kind of in the dark as to where he would be. But uh, my role on armed services, I'm going to be speaking out forcefully wherever I can if they're, if they're making mistakes. And I know the Middle East Forum will be doing its job doing the same thing as well. Let me ask one last question before I go to the audience ones. Um, in general, um, what do you see happening in Congress that concerns Israel, uh, radical Islam and terrorism that threatens it um, and other related issues? Is there anything that you think is going to happen in the next Congress that's important to bring up? Um, keeping the Biden administration's feet to the fire, I think is the big thing. Uh, they're gonna wanna backtrack on Iran and the nuclear agreement. They're gonna wanna maybe not be as aggressive as supporting Israel, which we've seen, uh, you, you know, the experts have been so wrong on so many things, Cliff. Uh, they said, oh, if you we move the US embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, uh, there will be riots everywhere. Well, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen. The so-called experts, you know, you just have to do the right thing and sometimes let the chips fall where they will. and. That, that's the best policy in the long run. Just do the right thing. And uh, you, unlike Barack Obama, Donald Trump supported our friends and opposed our enemies instead of the opposite. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what a Biden administration would do. And we'll have to hold his feet to the fire. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you another question. Here's a question from the audience. Um, um, excuse me. Um, from a... Uh, Sorry, I'm trying to read from Brad Fisher. He asks, um, how is Iran going to respond to the nuclear project leader assassination and how will it affect um, um, you know, nuclear negotiations with Iran? That's an excellent question, Brad. 
Uh, I don't think Iran has figured out yet who actually did this assassination, although they, they have some strong suspicions that it was Israel. Um, they, they, the timing is very interesting because it kind of polarizes Iran uh, and isolates them, I think, even more than before, which is probably a good thing with a new administration coming in that I suspect is going to be soft on Iran, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So, so Iran uh, is going to be more polarized and, and not being, uh, maybe not willing, being willing to pretend it's going to be a reasonable uh, citizen of the community, world community, like it's been posing as in the, in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe this exposes, uh, first of all, that they had a nuclear program that uh, was a lot farther along than everyone or many people thought. And um, it, it makes them more, uh, uh, like I say, committed to protecting their nuclear program, which is against what the Biden people are going to say that they want to do with Iran. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, another question from Ron Goldstein. Um, how will China influence the Middle East in the future? You know, that's a good question. I'm hoping that Israel uh, won't take... Chinese investment money for big projects. China likes to kind of buy its way into the good graces of third world countries. I hope Israel doesn't fall for that. Uh, and, and, you know, debt diplomacy that China has been pushing has been bad for some of the countries involved. So like in Africa and Asia. So I'm hopeful that Israel doesn't fall for that. And I think that they're listening uh, to the U.S. concerns. I know Mike Pompeo has brought this up, uh, which is good. Um, 5G and Huawei and the, and the whole technical infrastructure build-out of 5G is a big issue. Uh, once again, uh, some countries have really done the right thing. I commend uh, the United Kingdom uh, for stepping up and, and saying we're not going to have Chinese 5G dollars build our infrastructure with all the security threats that that proposes. I'm a little unsure where Israel stands on that. Cliff, maybe you can tell me where Israel stands if they've made a formal decision, but I would hope they would join the countries that are opposing Chinese 5G. Yeah, I honestly don't know that right off the top of my head. Um, I have time for just one more question. Elliot Wyman asked that if we are tough on the PA, which uh, you, you know, so you we discussed, and I think um, is, uh, has some good reasons, but he says, if it um, were to collapse, would that not be a victory for Hamas and create an even greater threat to Israel? Uh, it could be, Elliot. That is a valid concern. Um, you always wonder, you know, is the, is the bad guy I know better than the bad guy that I, I don't know and who is waiting in the wings? That's a, that's a valid issue. But when they're doing wrong things at every conceivable turn, I don't see how you can keep propping them up. And they are doing everything wrong. Uh, so, so maybe they're not as blatantly and flagrantly terroristic as, the, as Hamas or Hezbollah, but, but they're not far from it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, some, sometimes maybe it's better to have an, an enemy, an opponent that is clear cut in its aims and um, is, is out there for everybody to see. Yeah. Thank you very much, Congressman Lamborn. I really appreciated talking to you. Um, 
I look forward to uh, working with you guys in the future and maybe we can have you on again sometime. Really appreciate you talking to our folks. Thank you. Okay, bye.